goodness. Hey everyone, we are live for our Sunday weekly warm up show. We are in week three all together. And while we love inviting new faces on the show to foster great conversation and get you all set for your week. This week, we have a team member that we all, well, at least you know her and you love her because she's going to be really fun. Katie, we cannot wait to flip the mic on you and let our audience continue to get to know you, even though you are constantly live and sharing your insight with the Teach Better community. We'll be right back. So as all of you listening prepare for our Sunday weekly warm up, make sure you grab either an adult beverage or cozy socks, put your feet up. And let's get ready and get our minds ready for a really fabulous week. We'll be right back. which is a live show that the Teach Better team gets to do every single Sunday at 8 p.m. Eastern exclusively in our private Facebook group to get y'all ready for your week. Brad and I are so thrilled to be here every Sunday, and we are really excited to feature the one and only Katie Miglin. So before we get into all the fun, my co-host, my actually, to be honest, he's the host. I get to be the co-host. Brad Hughes, how you doing? I'm doing fantastic, Ray Heward. Another wonderful Sunday weekly warm-up exclusively in the Teach Better Group Facebook group. Getting a chance to catch up with you and with Katie Miglin tonight to get us set for a fantastic week ahead. Uh, this is like the Sunday of my dreams. Oh, Brad, I was so excited to obviously be live with you because we always have a good time. Then I saw Katie Miglin was on the calendar and then I just got nervous. Katie, how are you doing? Welcome to the Sunday show. I'm good. Nervous. I don't know why you're nervous. Um, I'm good. Yeah, it's Sunday night and it's the start of the week. I mean, how much better can it get, right? Cannot be a bad thing. Brad is clicking all the buttons to show all the comments getting started this after this evening. Don't forget, friends, we stream exclusively in our private group on Sundays and then we live stream this to our entire network on Mondays. It also becomes an episode of Teach Better Talk podcast. But we stream here on Sundays very specifically. So before we get into our interview, Brad, will you share a little bit about why it's important that we stream this on Sundays exclusive to our group? We love getting to know all of our Teach Better family members, Ray, and we are so energized by seeing and sharing all of the comments. It fires us up and it's also an opportunity for all of our uh, Teach Better family members in the Facebook group to get to know each other, to interact with each other. We're hoping that there are many more takeaways than just from the three amazing people on the screen. The takeaways are part of the experience. And so networking within our Facebook group, uh, the chatter, uh, the shop talk, but also the positive reinforcement and encouragement. That's what our Sunday weekly warm up is all about. I love it. So friends, if you're watching, we can't necessarily, especially if you're watching this live, we can't encourage you to share this with your friends because you won't be able to share the video outside of this group. But we have two little requests for you as we get this conversation started. One is feel free to hop onto your favorite social media. Stay with us. We've got another device. Hop on social media and share out that you're watching. You can share the link to this group. It's just teachbettergroup.com. It's a really easy URL to throw into a tweet or Facebook post, an Instagram story, and encourage your friends to join the group so they can join live in our conversation. My second request is a 24-hour request. When you see this streaming later on, Monday night, Although they won't be able to participate in the comments, we do appreciate you sharing that feed as well so that others get to learn from the incredible guests that we get to feature on the show. So kind of a fun opportunity here. Katie, as you were preparing your Sunday night to join us on the show, how's your weekend been? Did you like study up to get ready for this, this afternoon like conversation? I did. I honestly have done nothing else. I've just been watching lots of old footage, you know, just really studying types of interview questions you might throw my way. Um, no, I didn't do any of that because it's you two and I will obviously love teach better. So, um, I'm a, I apologize in advance. I had fun with family this weekend. And so I hope you don't ask any really tough questions. I'm apologizing now in case I can't answer them. 
first of all, we love that you had a weekend with family. Before we get into all the details of, I assume, kid hangout time, family hangout time, I saw your Instagram stories, cousins Mm -hmm. were involved. Yep. We do all that. If people aren't familiar with you, or Mm -hmm. maybe they're new to our Teach Better family and haven't yet gotten to see you facilitate a lot of these conversations, typically, who are you? What do you do? All that jazz. Well, I'm Katie Meglin. I'm the director of curriculum and instruction for the Teach Better team. So that means I get to (laughs) good, Bradley, good. I'm glad you did nothing but sleep yesterday. Um, Yeah, so I like to plan events. I do all kinds of things. I'm sure you've seen me on here. Um, Yeah, I was a middle school math teacher for many, many years and stepping away from the classroom just to pursue some other interests at the moment. And yeah, excited to be here tonight. So glad that you're joining us. I feel like it's a little weird. Brad and I were joking prior to you joining us that um, we're like kind of flipping the mic on you because the team goes live all the stinking time, especially holy moly friends. If you've been seeing the Teach Better Conference uh, speaker spotlight interviews, so many educators on our team have been like facilitating different interviews to share the voices of the speakers at our Teach Better conference here coming up in October. But Katie, you are like live with us a lot. So flipping the mic on you must feel a little different. Yeah, it's definitely different to be in the hot seat. I'm usually like ready to ask the questions, not necessarily answer them. So Mm -hmm. I am looking forward to seeing if I can do as well as a lot of our speakers have done because Man, every time I go live with a guest, I'm like, okay, is it October yet? Come on. It's, you know, such good conversation. Brad, I'm seeing so many people in the comments talk about the four-day week coming up here in the U.S. Mark's saying that he even has a three-day week, so even shorter. Uh, Brad, do you have a full week coming up? Are there any holidays that you get to celebrate that makes your week a little bit shorter over in Canada? Yeah, tomorrow is uh, Labor Day, uh, Ray and Katie, so uh, no school tomorrow. Uh, here in Southern Ontario, opening day for school is this Tuesday. So we're preparing to welcome all of our kids and families back into our buildings, hallways and classrooms. And so I'm grateful for a little bit of extra time as well. Brad, you haven't started school yet and it's starting on Tuesday and you're spending your Sunday night interviewing Katie Miglin. What are you thinking? I am feeling so relaxed and positive about opening day and opening week. I mean, I've got an incredible school team and uh we've just made a commitment to just to bring it just to bring it this week and to provide everything that we can to make everyone feel welcome and i feel very very relaxed very very confident and uh this is a great opportunity for me to reconnect with you know two people who light my fire and and get my energy revved up and also, you guys can bring the shenanigans like nothing else. And I just live for those shenanigans. I think it's so interesting. Katie and I know I've talked about this for weeks, that the transition of back to school is like six weeks long. We have some educators in the Teach Better Network that went back at the you know end of July, right? The last week of July. Some that are just starting this Tuesday. Brad, I'm so excited for you to get back in the swing of things and hang out with staff. I mean, that's that's so that's such a fun and exciting and stressful time. It's been amazing to begin to welcome staff back into the building as uh, as as they get classrooms set up, uh, as we uh, reconnect. And we had a wonderful uh, staff meeting, a professional learning day last Thursday, welcoming everyone in. Uh, we have 11 new team members uh, at our school, so a great opportunity to get to know one another, but also to to really set a strong, loving, and energetic foundation for the year ahead. And part of our work this year, Ray and Katie, is is to really come together as a community and to focus on community care. So we can lift each other up. We can celebrate uh, the reasonable boundaries and the reasonable limits that we're placing on our own work to help us really be the whole educators that we can be and to be the whole people that we are meant to be, whether we're uh, parents, partners, siblings, volunteers, uh, whatever our roles, You know, the more that we can protect our opportunity to be whole individuals, uh, it's ultimately going to benefit ourselves and benefit the kids. So it was very, very inspiring to come together with everybody. Oh, I love this time of year. It's so exciting. I know, Katie, you have been on the on the other end of this. You're not heading back into a specific school this year, but you have been working with the team. We have a lot of uh, team members that are out traveling, kind of helping support staff kick off the year and doing little trainings. You've been a huge part. I know you're going to be in schools all week next week 
helping different school districts around the U.S. and Canada kind of get ready for the school year. How's it been for you not going back to your classroom, but kind of kind of hopping to other schools around the country? Yeah, you know, it's it obviously is a lot. Um, there's a lot of excitement for schools and teachers and, you know, students. And it's been really nice this year to be intentional about celebrating other people's excitement versus kind of being in my own. And, you know, I think the first couple of days when my former school went back, I was a little like had a little bit of FOMO, but um, it was really nice to be able to just celebrate with other people all over, celebrate with my own children. You know, I was so often it's like, hey, girls, go to school. And then I'm like, you know, scrambling to get myself ready for school. And so it's been really nice to have those little intentional moments with people to just be excited for them, hear about their students and not, you know, kind of constantly thinking about my own class or my own students. It's been nice to like kind of put all that energy towards other people. So it's mm. been good. So good. Well, I know we already have happening in the comments exactly what Brad and I love about this show is people engaging with each other. We love seeing in the comments that you guys are not only responding to what we're sharing here on the screen, but able to share ideas and resources, moments of appreciation and celebration with one another. Mm -hmm. So please continue to be active in the comments as we continue our conversation. Brad, we have a lot to go over during this show. And I know one of the next upcoming elements is, is kind of a, one of my favorite features. It's kind of like the discussion, the deep dive, the action steps to really get us ready for the week. So should we transition here into the fun stuff? I'm looking forward. I'm on the diving board with you and Katie, and we're going to dive into some great discussion right after the break. All right. We'll be right back, friends. Brad, we have a whole discussion ready here where we try and find time during the episode to really say, okay, what are the action steps that we can take to get ready for the week? So Brad, how should we start this off? I think it's all about recognizing the opportunities that we have for the week ahead. And I was reflecting that Katie is both uh, an educator and a parent. And mm -hmm. I was wondering if we could reflect on the things that are exciting us and exciting Katie most about having her kids return to school. and. And what is it about the return to school that is making her kids excited? What are you talking about as they come back? And, and maybe we can talk about that energy and finding the energy that we need through the joy of the kids that we're, uh, we're blessed enough to connect with. Yeah, so I my um, seven-year-old is a second grader, and she loves summer. We summer hard in our house, and so sometimes back to school can be a little bit of a transition. Um, just everything from, well, I don't want that color of folder. I want this color or, you know, my friends not in my class, just all of those feelings. Right. And I think so often we forget that as teachers, sometimes it's easy to just think everyone's so excited to be back because that's the feeling you have. And so it's been really interesting to see her side because it took a couple of days for her to, you know, kind of get into it. And of course now, obviously every day she's excited to get up and get ready and go see her friends. But you know, I just I just appreciate, honestly, elementary teachers because I could never do it. But just they they pour their hearts into it. She comes home just feeling loved, which I know mm. sometimes as teachers, we don't always feel that inside, you know, but we have to put it towards our students. We have to continue to be intentional about showing the excitement and the love. And I'm just so grateful for that. Um, but I'm just, it's exciting to see her. She's, you know, she's excited about new things they're learning and second grade brings on, you know, bigger, exciting things. And, you know, the other day she was telling me how she lost a tooth, but nobody else was excited because four other kids lost a tooth that night. And I was like, yeah, in second grade, lots of teeth fall out everywhere, you know? And so it's just been fun to like see school through her eyes and, you know, have that excitement and, Obviously, I have a four-year-old who's excited just about life. Like, she's just excited about everything. So I think it's so interesting. And I don't know that they teach you this in teacher school, but the, the phases of educator understanding, right? You enter into being an educator, right? Right. Spick and span out of college. Many of educators that walk into their first year teaching don't have the perspective of also being a parent or, or yeah. some of those other things that you gain over time, right? You kind of live your life, not only being an educator, but then growing and developing in the personal life. 
how has it been for you transitioning from, you know, obviously knowing what to do as a teacher, right? You've been teaching for years, but now you're able to see school kind of in a different lens because your kids are going through it. Yeah, it's been um, very interesting to to really like not have my focus and energy on the other thing. You know, it's like I really can be 100% about her school, but you know, it's, it's so funny the things she says about teachers or like, and they're nothing bad, but just like her perception of what something happens. You know, she's like, well, we were late to lunch because of this. And I'm like, well, maybe that's what happened or maybe not. Maybe that wasn't what time you needed to go. You know, it's just like a seven-year-old's vision of things is so interesting. And so it's nice because I can kind of remind her like, well, mom sometimes let her students out late and that happens, you know, or yeah, sometimes like the discussion in the morning goes a little long. That's okay. And so in my, you know, Harper is such a rule follower and she's so like, she loves that structure. She loves that schedule. So it's been kind of fun just to give her a different perspective of, well, maybe that teacher was sick today and that's why they weren't there, you know, just kind of providing her a different perspective. And she kind of does the, oh, I know, mom, you were a teacher, but it's just, it's, you know, I'll, I'll keep advocating for teachers. I'll keep, uh, you know, just loving on her from that direction. But, but it's so funny because thinking about it from your perspective, you kind of know both sides, yes. whereas many of our parents, that's the only thing they hear. <laughs> I think as an educator, me, myself, I forgot that all the time. Brad, you just told me as we were kind of getting ready for the show today that you set, you were setting up moving your kids this weekend. You must've had a very similar, you know, kind of like perspective as Katie, where you were able to see both sides as your children were going through school. We have always felt that uh, we've been so fortunate that the right teachers came into our kids' lives at the right time. It, it's, uh, it, it's just a matter of, uh, of reflecting with uh, gratitude and also with just humility and openness that, you know, t educators are people. Educators mm -hmm. are doing their level best to serve a variety of kids, especially, you know, as we get just getting to know the, the kids at the beginning of the year. Yeah. Creating a class community is no joke. It, it really is not for the faint of heart, but it is one of life's most incredible gifts. Uh, whether you're uh, building a class of kindergartners or pre-kindergartners, or whether you're coming together with middle schoolers or with high schoolers, you're, you're bringing, you know, different kids with different points of view, different walks of life, uh, different backgrounds into your space. And then you've got that opportunity, Katie and Ray, to, to shape it together. I mean, and, and I, I really do believe that as much as we influence the kids that come into our spaces, I'm certain that we leave influenced by them as well. Mm, so true. Well, obviously, I mean, this is so exciting. They're able to kind of see both perspectives. I think it's always a good reminder for educators to be able to remind themselves that they not only have, you know, juggling within their personal life and professional life, but our, our parents of our students are trying to find their way in the mess of the beginning of school as well. Um, Katie, as you kind of reflect on your favorite parts of back to school strategies that you found really helpful at the beginning of the school year, what comes to mind as, uh, as you're thinking through all the educators in our community who are kind of starting, starting their year off strong? Pour into the students, the relationships immediately. I was, uh, Ray, you know this cause we worked together for many years, but I am very type A and I am very, uh, <laughs> let's jump in. We've got to do all the things you've got to, well, how will you go to the bathroom? If you don't know the system, we have to learn it on day one and you might check a book out on day two. So let's talk about the library system. And I did that for years and it didn't work and it was not fun for me. I honestly never, the first couple of days I was like, eh, like they're fine. It's me, you know, like talking them kind of figuring things out. But when I switched and I was like, heck no, man, we're playing games and we're going to get to know each other and we're going to be up moving around and we're going to build a playlist together because music is important. It was a game changer. And I felt like I had so much more fun with them and like it paid off. Okay. We just brushed over so many things. We need to go way deeper. You just like highlighted things. And I was like, stop, 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 stop. hold on. I want to hear about games. I want to hear about music. I want to hear about all your strategies for that because Educators right now who may not have set up those systems could choose to do that this week, especially that's perfect for a four or three day yes. week. So Brad, where do you think we should start with this? I want to start with relationships because relationships are the foundation 
And, and that foundation is just going to weave its way into whatever classroom uh, design, uh, lesson, orchestra or lesson orchestration, uh, but it's, it's the foundation, Katie, of, uh, of those relationships. But how do you prioritize them and, and how do you put relationship building out in front when maybe in the back of your mind you're thinking, well, I've got to start this content area or that content area? So I really kind of started to do the first couple days, I would have four things that maybe we'd get to. And if we didn't, that was okay. But I let them kind of guide it, you know, within a reason. So first day of school, we went, you know, we went through all the names and it was like, you know, we students say the pronunciation, we talk about different things. And I try to just kind of banter with them because so often they're nervous or they don't like saying their names or, you know, in middle school, there's always awkwardness. So I would literally just, I knew in my head, okay, if this goes fast, I can do these three things. And if it, you know, takes the whole hour, it takes the whole hour, who cares? And I always had some kind of team building stuff in the back burner, just in case where it was again, great if we got to it. If we didn't, I can save it and keep it on the back burner for a day. Maybe I need something. And so I was really intentional about like, oh, hey, I noticed you're wearing a baseball jersey. Mm. Like, what position do you play or what do you do? Um, or I would, you know, say, oh, I think I had your older sister. Can you tell her I said hi? Just any of those little things just to like help them see I, I'm, I want to know them. You know, even if you're really nervous right now and you don't want to talk, I'm here. We can talk another day. And I just kind of did that for a few days. And, you know, yes, yeah, some of those systems things needed to happen. You know, yes, if a, if a student needed to go to the restroom and they didn't needed to know how to do that, then we talked about it in the moment. Hey, just in case you have to go, like, here's how we do that. Or, oh, if you have to sharpen your pencil, here's kind of how I want that to go. Or when do you think it's appropriate to sharpen a pencil? But I really let go of a lot of the rigidness because I felt like, that was me having the control and that wasn't working for students and which was so stinking hard to let go of because I'm, I like control. Um, but I felt like it really paid off. And by, you know, the second week, I just felt like we were comfortable. I had invested in them. I knew a little bit about them and they could just kind of relax a little bit more. And it's some students, it took three, four, you know, five weeks for them to relax and other students the next day, they were like, Oh, hey, how's it going, Megs? And so it's like, you know, just continuing to be intentional was really kind of what I really tried to focus. Every morning I'd be like, don't take control back. Don't force yourself to get into that, you know, the get to know you game or that silly thing you've created. Like, let them lead it. So I like that approach because it kind of gives you permission to not have the plan go as planned. I exactly. think that that's something that I would struggle with. I obviously know that that's something that you struggle with, that you yes. made an intentional decision yep. to say, yes, this will be hard for me, but I'm going to do it. Brad, I don't know your, your personality type like well enough. Would you be able to handle that flexibility or are you more type A like Katie? I've learned to become more flexible. And like Katie, I've also learned that where I seek control uh, I tend to get really, really wound up and, and really, really shift, trying to shift away from micromanaging every aspect of the classroom or even the school community and just letting the school community find its way. It's really, really uh, takes a lot of pressure off when you can shift control, shift the voice over to whether it's your classroom students or your faculty. Things happening with people are a lot more effective than simply things happening to them or for them. Uh, and the, the relationships that Katie's describing are key because when things do eventually go wrong, when there are setbacks or, or uh, situations come up in the classroom or in the school, it's those relationships that are going to be protective and restorative to help get you through. And more and more, when we see kids in distress, we know that distressed kids need that comfort and those relationships. And, you know, that's the, that, that is, relational trust is what's going to carry you through uh, in some of the worst circumstances. So uh, I, I love that investment that Katie's making. Mm. Okay, Katie, I know you had a lot of lists of things that you do to foster those relationships. Lindsay Titus in the comments earlier commented that she has ninth graders currently using music, creating a playlist so that they're ready for success throughout their day. Tell us a little bit about how you use music in the classroom, because I feel like that's a great actionable challenge we can give to our network here um, mm -hmm. what they could consider to make their week a success 
So it was, it's pretty simple. Honestly, um, I love having music during work time or when students are coming into my classroom. I sometimes will do dance parties if I feel like they're really chatty. You know, I'll just like literally turn up the music as loud as possible for two minutes. And it's like, get all your crazy out so we can learn. But I wanted it to be music they cared about. And I think I have excellent taste in music, but middle schoolers disagreed. So um, I just started... I spent all weekend listening to 50s music. I don't know why if I put that in the classroom, kids aren't happy. Like, I don't get it. 50s were the great, like, that's great music. Yeah. Sure. Yep. Um, I do threaten students that, you know, when we had detentions, that if they had to serve a detention with me, that I made them listen to country music. Ugh. You better believe that that definitely got some of them to change their behavior. Not my style, not my vibe. If you're in right. the right now tell us what music you'd prefer to never listen to right like what would be like torture music for you (laughs) detention worthy music detention worthy music all right those will be good in the comments when we see those i know dave schmidt obviously wouldn't say country but country's not right well so yeah i um beginning of the year i kind of just tell them like what's the purpose what do we use this music for when do we listen to it so they kind of understand and then i just tell them i i really just send out a google form that's just what music do you want? It's one question. It's what's a song and who's the the um, artist, if you can. Thank you, Mark. Thank you, country. Isn't that bad? Um, so they just can, they submit a song and I just tell them, please make it school appropriate. And then I do put a note of like anything I should know. So some students will put, you know, make sure that you look up the clean version or make sure this, like this artist, especially if it's a duplicate name. So it's, it's, they just build it and Um, usually on the weekends, I kind of just sit and I'll like, if there's a song maybe I haven't heard of, I'll listen to it quickly or I'll search the lyrics just to make sure it's appropriate for school. Every once in a while, I've accidentally had one that like something slips and it's like, oh, sorry, everybody, that's getting deleted. (laughs) But um, yeah, and so it's kind of fun because then as we listen to the music, when a student complains, you know, I've had literally everything under the sun and a student will be like, oh, I cannot stand this song. I'm like, oh, but your song might be next. So don't complain because someone else contributed this. And it helps with that culture as well. So it's kind of just a fun, like, community building thing. It, you know, so people will be like, who contributed this? I like it. Who's Who sings this? So it's kind of fun. I like the community building of that. Brad, could you give us some insight from an administrator perspective? Obviously, music has a lot of research behind it. We, I mean, use, utilizing music in the classroom is like, in my opinion, non-negotiable. It's a great, great, great thing to use. But from an administrator lens, obviously wanting it to be appropriate is a little bit of a stress. I know a lot of teachers carry. Katie, Katie, you've mentioned it. I I personally have had the same concern. What are some basics, Brad, do you think that we can use as parameters to kind of then maybe follow up with our administrator about what music we're allowed to bring in the classroom? I think that it begins with the relationship with the kids. and, And as Katie said, uh, you're working with the kids to curate playlists that are both motivating uh, or maybe even relaxing, but also are age and school appropriate. And so mm-hmm. it can be a great media literacy opportunity for you, for educators and for the kids uh, to take a look at popular music and take a look at current hits and current trends. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you can examine and and reflect on the content of the music and, and why it may or may not be appropriate for school or better appropriate for personal listening. At, at our school, we we try to make sound design uh, part of the welcoming culture. So we uh, we select and have playlists that are going on in our halls all day long. Sometimes it can just be nature sounds and the chirping of the birds makes kids wonder if there are birds stuck in the ceiling tiles and I assure them they're not. Uh, sometimes there's just a soothing and reassuring music kind of like spa music that just kind of keeps everyone going with the flow. But certainly when our, our faculty and staff members arrive in the morning, there are sometimes 50s and 60s tunes. Uh, sometimes there's soul R&B. Uh, sometimes there's summer hits, just something to get everyone off on a great start, light on their feet, light in their hearts. And um, another great uh, a great opportunity, uh, Katie and Ray, is to create game shows or contests with the music. So yes. um I, I created a, a, a trivia game called Looney Tunes. And so I would select five songs each week that had something in common. Maybe it was a theme or maybe each title or artist began or ended with the same letter. 
uh, and then you play the song and allow people to try to figure out what the common thread is at the end. Uh, the entries get put into the big spinning wheel, and then there are some fun prizes given out too. See, that's the best part. There's so many things to do with music, whether you make a, a school-wide game about it. Mark, I want to get to your question as well. There's so many different variations of how music can set the tone for your learning environment or welcoming collaboration in the classroom. Mm -hmm. It's so great. Katie, what are your thoughts on Mark's question? We can pull that up and make sure we address it. He's asking here, do you let students listen to music during work time using their earbuds or how do you monitor to make sure that it's appropriate? I feel like this is a question that everybody probably has their own opinion of, but yeah. what's your perspective, Katie? So it really depends on what the the purpose of the work time is supposed to be. If it is work time where I expect collaboration, then I do not want earbuds in because I feel like it shuts off any mm. form of collaboration. So um, I really, if if I feel like, like, especially during writing, when I was, when we had writing sections, I felt like students needed to like kind of zone in. And so obviously that was a time that they could kind of plug in their earbuds and just focus. Cause I know that's what I need as a writer as well. But a lot of times if it was, you know, they, I expect them to be up and talking to each other and moving at some point in what they're doing, then no, I would say no earbuds today, or you can have one in and not the other. As far as appropriateness, I'm going to be really honest in middle school, I, I didn't monitor it. I felt like that was going to open a big old can of worms. Um, we were a no cell phone school. So really it was, you know, students would have their own kind of way of getting the music, whether it was on YouTube or whatever. And I just kind of was like, I can't hear it. I don't want anyone around you to have to hear it. And if I hear a bad word, it's got to go off. But I kind of felt like that's, that's kind of something that I, you know, it's kind of personal to them. And if that is what's okay with their house, then fine. I don't, you know, I, I wouldn't even look at their computer, honestly, because half mm -hmm. the time I'm like, well, I don't need to see the YouTube. I need to see what you're supposed to be working on on your screen. So I kind of just put some parameters of I, people can't around you can't hear it. I can't hear it. And you have to stay focused. I, you cannot be switching songs constantly and let that take your focus, put something on and just roll with it. So I don't I, I think every person kind of has their own opinion on it. And I think you have to do what works best for you, but then also be willing to defend it. You know, if, mm -hmm. if an administrator or a parent, you know, has an issue with it, then I think you have to really, you know, kind of be strong in what you believe in and be okay if someone pushes back on that. You know, it's interesting, Brad, I'm really eager to hear your thoughts, but finding the right parameters to work within, I think is uh, going to be a theme in any topic we discuss. Um, in terms of like the research behind when to use music and when not, um, I think there's so many different things that we need to explore. Katie, I love the, the approach that if collaboration is the focus, then, then music would be more universal in the room rather than individualized. I know uh, Lindsay brought up playlists. Uh, I always found a really good activity to have students do within the first four weeks of school was to create two different playlists. Uh, one playlist would be new music that had words in it that was maybe more upbeat and that would be for content that you were looking for like energy from mm -hmm. whereas you have another playlist that's maybe doesn't have any words in it or there are songs that you're super familiar with and that would be used for a different intention um the concept would be that if you're working with content that you're really really well aware of then listening to music you are elite like less familiar with it's okay but if you're trying to learn new content, you want only familiar lyrics or no lyrics at all. So you can really focus on that new content. So I encourage you all to kind of develop your parameters for music so you can guide your students and how to use it appropriately. Brad, any, any thoughts on that? Ray, just thinking too, that uh, as we've talked about in, the, in our conversation tonight, that music is a way of helping uh, students and us to relate to each other. There are so many positive connections made through the music that we choose and listen to. And even if we disagree on our favorites or the ones we would rather not listen to, it's all about conversation. It's all about reinforcing those relationships. I think too about our music programs that are woven into our uh, you know, primary, middle and high schools as well, whether it's instrumental or vocal. And there's all kinds of connections to um, different uh, cultural opportunities, uh, different communities, different countries, uh, being able not only to create curate playlists of popular music, but maybe having students curate music uh, that represents their culture or their country of origin or their language. Uh, as a language teacher myself, when I taught French, 
I found that music was the key to a great deal of enjoyment and a great deal of memorization or being able to recall vocabulary as it was woven through music. And I know a lot of Instagram uh, friends, uh, teachers are creating reels uh, using popular music uh, to reinforce class routines. I just saw a teacher who had reinvented a popular uh, music, a popular song right now to teach the, the story, the elements of, of story, story elements. And so that it's, it's, it, it really is worth celebrating. There's no limit to what we can do, but it, again, it all boils down to keeping those connections strong through the music that we choose. So I will say too, if you have, like, I always ask every day, every time we would turn that music on, I would say, is anyone worried they're going to be distracted? And even if one student said yes, then the music didn't go off and then it would be an earbud day. You know, it was like, you got to listen to your own. And I set that tone of, we're not judging that person. We're not yelling at that person. And sometimes a student would be like, yeah, but I'm happy to go sit in the hall. Like, I don't need to, you know. And so just creating that so that students feel comfortable to advocate from themselves if music isn't their jam. You know, some kids, that's not going to work for them every day. Some days it's, you know, just maybe one day they're like, I'm spastic today. I can't take music. So just make sure that you're continuing to be open and allowing students to advocate for what they need. It's so funny. There were so many ways our, our dialogue could have gone during this discussion, but Katie, literally teaching like across the hall from you, it makes so much sense that somehow we got on this music conversation because Brad, I will tell you, if I ever heard music going on in the hallway, I knew it was coming from Katie's classroom. And it's so funny that somehow this became the focus of our dialogue. I think this is such a great reminder for all of us as we head into an incredible week ahead, hopefully maybe a short week for many of the educators in our network that were able to reflect on how we're utilizing the five senses in our classroom mm -hmm. and learning experiences, how music can be a part of connecting and building that culture with our with our students. This is like such a cool little twist. Before we transition here into our giggles, our weekly giggles, which Brad, I, I could not be more excited about for you to facilitate. Um, Katie, any like soapbox moment, like anything that you're like, okay, if, if, if you guys leave today with only one tidbit, here's my piece of advice. Here's the thing that I would love to share with you. Any thoughts on what you'd like to leave our community with? Yeah, so it looks like a lot of people in the comments, Brad, same with you, a lot of people have it looks like a short week. So I feel that take advantage of the short week. You know, sometimes students can come back a little, little bit more um, crazy, I guess, for lack of a better word, that a little bit more energy because they've had the long weekend. They're excited to get back, whether you're starting school for the first time or you've been in for a couple weeks. I just feel like sometimes short weeks bring a lot of energy. You know, as educators, we sometimes say those are the longest weeks. But I would say, like, challenge yourself to do one thing that maybe isn't in your typical plans. So for example, I, during COVID, when I was trying really hard to connect with my students virtually, I started doing Would You Rather Fridays. And I literally did it as my bell ringer. Every Friday, I would just, we would do Would You Rather. I had a virtual version. Once I went back, you know, once we were back in the classroom, I continued to do it for two years um, in person. And it was like every Friday, the kids would be like, are we doing Would You Rather? And it was something five years ago, I would have never done because it wasn't in the books. It wasn't in the plans. I had nothing to do with my content and it just was a fun. So find something that will work for your students, work for you. Take five minutes, literally five minutes this week to do just something silly and fun dance party. Would you rather whatever? And just kind of invest in them because it's already a short week. You've already lost a day. So you might as well just live it up at this point. <laughs> And I'm thinking, Katie, it's not only an investment in that moment, but when I think about Ray talking about the music coming out of your room into the hall, think about the investment in positive anticipation that you're building for your students. Hey, we're going to be listening to music when we get to Mrs. Mig's class. Or, yeah. hey, remember last Friday we did Would, Would You Rather? wonder what's happening this Friday. So it's an investment in building energy and building a positive classroom culture and building a strong sense of anticipation for I wonder what could be coming up next in Mrs. Mig's class. <laughs> I oh. promise I did teach content, you guys. I promise. <laughs> Just a lot of dance parties were embedded throughout. <laughs> this was so fun. Let's get into some giggles.
one, Brad. What do you think? I like it a lot. And uh, in a very happy, happy accent, we have weekly giggles this week, Katie and Ray, that have a musical connection. I know. I kind of liked it. Like, that was a good tune. I felt like it worked. These giggles come from uh, a carpool line. Do you do you have do you have or did you have carpool lines uh, at your schools, Katie and Ray? Of course, yes. And my daughter's school has it. And I, after sitting in that carpool lane one time, I decided she's going to be a bus rider. I'm I'm not <laughs> cut out for the, the the carpool lane. I'm just saying. Well, tonight's Sunday funnies come from Austin Town Elementary School in Ohio where laughter and carpool celebrity-inspired signs keep the carpool line moving. If you're watching live, you can see examples of MC Hammer saying, can't park here, or NSYNC, tell the kids bye-bye-bye on a second sign showing the former boy band NSYNC. Uh, Ryan Gosling says, hey, girl, move your car all the way up with those <laughs> so soft eyes. and." And then there are, uh, I think this is TLC, uh, a takeoff on their song Waterfalls that says, don't go blocking drop off lanes. So uh, <laughs> if we can keep that line moving, as uh, Ross from uh, Friends says in the final sign, pivot out of the drop off line, uh, school leaders and educators alike can make uh, a little bit of fun happen to what can be kind of a stressful situation, just stop, drop, and roll, slow the car down, get the kids out and on their way. But a great musical connection for our Sunday Funnies tonight. What a fun idea. Katie, I think we would have jammed out in a, in drop-off if that was the case. I totally would take my daughter every day if that was the case. Huh. I might be emailing and saying, um, I think you need some new signage because you need to add some giggles to the drop-off pickup well lane. This is perfect, though. If if somebody in here creates any of those signs, we just mass email out to everybody in the Teach Better community. We could put those signs all over the U.S. and Canada with our Teach Better community. I love it. <laughs> There's another sign, Ray and Katie, with a car completely wrapped in saran wrap, and it reminds parents to please stay in your vehicle. I don't <laughs> think anyone in that vehicle is going anywhere, but... Uh, what you need at a stressful time when you're trying to get the kids off and uh, yourself maybe on to work or on to your next important thing is just a little levity to keep things moving. And uh, that can also make it more pleasurable for the school staff who have uh, a carpool line drop off uh, duty or supervision. So you got lots of fun there in Ohio. That definitely had lots of giggles. Can I ask a question? I had a strange teacher moment that I found funny. Can I, can I get your thoughts on this guys? Do you mind? Can I like, Add one more element to this. 100%. Go for it. Okay. Here's my, and if you're in the comments, like I have to know if this has ever happened to you. As a teacher, we hear all the names, right? We have all had all the names either in our school, in our classroom, right? I think that's why teachers such a, such a hard time picking baby names is like we always have an aff affiliation. Okay. Mm -hmm. I heard a name this weekend that first off, I love this name and I had never heard it before. And I feel like that doesn't happen anymore. I've heard of all the names. This one I had never heard of. How oh. often do you come across a name that you like that you've never heard of before at this point in your educational journey? Mm -hmm. Very yeah. rare, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. I have the spelling specifically got the spelling to make sure that I represented this child. Well, by the way, this was the most responsible, sweet, and stunning, gorgeous 13-year-old of all time. So really good impression if anyone needs mm -hmm. this name for a baby name. Here's how you spell it. Let's see if you can pronounce it. I-R-I-D-A-E. I-R-I-D-A-E. How would you pronounce it? Iriday? Iriday? Iriday is how you pronounce it. Your day. I thought it was so pretty. I had never heard that. Yeah. And I even told the family, I was like, I never hear names like, uh, like in a context that is out of school that are like, I know, I feel like I've heard all the names. I thought that one was just gorgeous. Have either of you heard that name before? Never. Ooh. Isn't that it's gorgeous? Your day. It's French. I thought that was such a fun, fun name that I, I feel like as a teacher, it's very rare for me to come across names that I hadn't heard before. 
I, I mean, honestly, that's both of our kids. I felt terrible. It turned into a family game at Christmas one year. Like literally it was throw a name in the hat and see if Katie will accept it. And I, I went through hundreds of names and we're literally at the hospital having both of our girls, same situation happen. They're like, Oh, how'd you pick the name? Is that a family name? I'm like, no, I've never had a student with that name. That's why I picked it. I'm like, I'm sorry. I'm a teacher. I don't know what else to tell you, but I like, couldn't, my husband would say a name. I'm like, no, that was such and such from that year. No, they stole my pencil or like, no, they were super sweet. But what if our kid's not sweet? You know, like just every name I had a, an image. So yeah, I get it. Brad, did you and your wife go through this? I mean, you have two wonderful children. We think they're wonderful and we think we have wonderful names for them. And yeah, we did the baby name book thing and we came up with our short lists and we came up with our absolutely nots on either side. And then we came up with uh, Megan and Benjamin for our two kids. And you know, Katie and Ray, it reminds me if, if, if I was an educator and I saw that name on my class list for the first time, I-R-I-D-A-E. Mm -hmm. I'm wondering how I would approach that to make sure that I was pronouncing it correctly or pronouncing it the way the child would like to hear it. I know I, probably educators all over the place are, are, have, are working through that right now where they may see or have unfamiliar names on their class mm -hmm. list. What do you recommend that they do in terms of making sure they get the pronunciation correct and, and they stick with it? Okay. I always made the students say their name and then I would just hope I can find it somewhere on that list. Cause sometimes you, you they say, and it doesn't really match what you think it should be spelled. Mm -hmm. So I literally would just have them go around. I'm like, Hey, can you say your name? Okay. Can you also tell me your last name? I'm struggling to find it. And I was always honest. In fact, kids still like, I'll see them. And they're like, remember when you really couldn't remember my name forever, but I make a joke of myself. I'm like, I am so bad with names. I know that's something you're supposed to learn in teacher school. I am really hoping to get your name within the next month, but just assume that I won't just like if I can get it in the next couple months, like that's a win. And so it was so funny because students just like, they're like, I know you still don't know my name. It's Megan. I'm like, thank, oh. you. thank you for just telling me yep. because it was, I, it wasn't something that I took lightly. I really felt terrible, but I could not get my, my brain to wrap around some student's name. Or if I saw a student and I thought they like looked similar to someone else, I'd get them flipped forever. So it kind of just turned into a joke because I was so genuinely like, I'm really sorry. I'm trying really hard. Please say your name back to me again. And so, yeah, I'm so bad. It honestly, like, I feel like I'm getting a little like sweaty just having a conversation because I get so anxious about it because I know I'm so bad at it. I have to say sometimes the hardest names to pronounce are the ones that you remember the quickest versus yes. when you have like four Sarah's you're like, Oh no, if I don't know, it's probably Sarah. And I should just get that right off the bat. But your day, I feel like is spelled like it sounds like your, your mm -hmm. guess is probably pretty close, especially with the D A Y. Um, but I just love that name. I feel like she already sounds like a princess. That's, that's just how I feel. <laughs> it's helpful if you uh, just approach the, uh, the opportunity just in a lighthearted way and let kids know that you're committed to learning to pronounce their name the way that they want it to be pronounced. Mm -hmm. Some kids who may have uh, names that are unusual or unique uh, may be apprehensive about sticking with an adult uh, until they have the pronunciation correct because they don't want to inconvenience uh, the adult. Uh, mm -hmm. I think we want to flip the script on that and remind kids that names are just, I mean, names are so special. Names are so important. And so we want to make sure as educators and as, you know, as adults in our community that we're, we're taking the time to be vulnerable ourselves and, and be open to correction. Uh, if, uh, if I make a mistake in pronunciation or if I, if I forget a child's name, which happens quite a bit, um, I apologize. And I, I thank the child for sticking with me until I get it right. I'm, I'm a visual learner, Ray and Katie. So I, ha I have a game that I play with kids at school. So if I learn a new, if I learn a new name, I ask uh, the child to spell the name for me. I spell it back to them. And then the next time I see them, I ask them for the first letter of the name and I'll see if I can get it. But the game we play is I say, now that I know, now that I'm learning your name, your challenge whenever we meet is to ask Mr. Hughes, what's my name? And I feel like there's that electric sort of tension. Okay. And, it, but it really helps lock in the names. And uh, as a school leader, you know, learning names and knowing them is, is, uh, is a, a real priority for me. And I'd love it to be a priority for all of the adults in our building so that we're demonstrating respect, care, and ownership for every child 
in addition to the children in our class. I love that that challenge to our community, Brad. I think that's such a wonderful way to kind of wrap up our Sunday conversation is emphasizing not only the need for us to value names, because I couldn't, I mean, gosh, I couldn't agree more. I think the name is so important of our students, no matter how many times it takes us to learn. But I love the permission to not know the first time and to hold yourself accountable and to keep up with it. I think a lot of educators feel so much shame when they don't learn it right off the bat. Mm -hmm. And the reality is, it's like we can all come together and say, hey, mm -hmm. all of us don't learn names that easily either. We are the ones in schools asking two or three times. So if you need that too, just know you're not alone in that. Just know that we also are, are with those like awkward tension struggles and uh, we're all going to get it together. So I love that challenge. I love that approach and knowing that you're not alone. Not everyone gets it right off the bat, but it is so important to persevere through it. So super cool. Katie, thank you so much for coming live with us on a Sunday, talking shop, sharing your insight. I love that our conversation focused on music. That's so my jam. I love mm -hmm. it. Oh, get it, jam. But get, get it, jam. Brad, we have officially wrapped up our third week of our Sunday weekly warm up. And I'm so Ooh. excited for the next few weeks. We have more interviews coming. We have a panel coming on the 18th. We sure do. This is going to be such a great opportunity to keep not only new faces coming on the show, but other other topics being shared here in this community. When I think about bringing someone as wonderful as Katie into our space, I, I think of the fact that Katie is helping us shape our Sunday weekly warm up week after week to make a difference to, well, if you're listening live or if you're uh, going to check us out later, just making a difference, uh, making a difference and bringing our unique gifts together and recognizing that there are so many unique gifts and talents in our Teach Better network. So uh, it's been a wonderful opportunity to talk with uh, Katie and with you, Ray, and looking forward to our panel lineup and looking forward to what uh, what what shenanigans, but also what uh, succinct, succinct, succinct next steps might be um, might be ahead. Make sure, friends, you have that repeating calendar invitation and event on your on your calendar for Sundays at 8 p.m. Eastern. The don't we will obviously stream this on Monday nights, and it will also become an episode of Teach Better Talk podcast. But we love when you're here live, engaging in the comments, asking questions, and mm -hmm. continuing to celebrate the energy of getting our week ready. So thank you for all that you do, and we'll see you next week, friends. Bye, guys.